98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Big League Blast. For the first time as NBA commissioner, Adam Silver had to bring a shovel to work. And man, was he shoveling at Wednesday's press conference like a guy cleaning out a horse barn. The look of Silver. Have you seen this guy? So uncomfortable, grasping for words, trying to hide the disdain of the owner he had to shield. Well, it was unsettling. Silver said Sarver has evolved as a person. He said many people said lots of good things about him. He said Sarver has acknowledged his wrongdoing. But has he really? And what will he be like if he's really allowed to return to the team in a year? Anyway, here's my big takeaway. For nearly a decade, Sarver was a Phoenix problem. Now he's an NBA problem and he has created a giant mess on the eve of an NBA training camp. A mess that Silver is leaving for his players to address. Now the victim's in this case may yet get relief from a movement led by LeBron James, Chris Paul, and the NBPA. For James to address this as strong as he did yesterday, followed by CP3 just a little bit later, leads one to believe a storm is still coming. But those victims did not get relief from Silver, whom they trusted to do the right thing, and that must have torn the commissioner apart on Wednesday, a day when the best commissioner in sports was just another puppet. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. In terms of his level of remorse, at least as expressed directly to me, he was taking complete accountability and seemed fully remorseful. I recognize, I think, what he was saying in the report itself, I think he may take issues around um, a certain particular context of how what things were said or, or particular activities, but he's not the finder of fact. Wachtell was, and I accept that. Yeah, that's Adam Silver yesterday during his press conference after the Board of Governors meeting uh, with the NBA. Um, there was other things discussed, but not much. It was all basically Robert Sarver. I think there was mm-hmm. one question that was asked about the in-season tournament. Um, and, the, and the 76ers. No, oh, and the 76ers, an investigation into the yeah. 76ers as well. Get out of here. Well. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. that, this is not your point. Yeah. It's not about you. Um, there he is express, uh, describing that Robert Sarver expressed accountability to him. Um, I also thought... Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot to think. The the timing of the statements afterwards. Um, you know, we got this report on Tuesday, correct? Yes. There was yeah, a lot yeah. of reaction to it. Then you got the Sun statement. You got uh, the statement from Robert Sarver himself. Then yesterday we have the press conference, and then you get some tweets. And LeBron James was the first one to come out. Uh, and then Tamika Tramalio, who's the new uh, executive director of the NBPA. Um, she did not mince words at all in her statement. Three, uh, three tweets, and I'll read two of them to you. Additionally, the investigation confirmed that Mr. Sarver's, uh, Sarver's deplorable behavior did not just come to light in November 2021. In fact, the report indicated Mr. Sarver's long history of inappropriate conduct, including racial and gender insensitivity, misogyny, and harassment. All issues that led to a toxic work environment for well over a decade. I have made my position known to Adam Silver regarding my thoughts on the extent of the punishment and strongly 
strongly believe that Mr. Sarver should never hold a managerial position within our league again. Uh, Chris Paul tweeted about it, saying that the uh, investigation and the punishment fell short. Now, he didn't specify what that meant. Did he want right. a longer suspension or, you know, the movement to to, to remove Robert Sarver mm-hmm. as, as owner? I think those are questions that are going to be asked. But, you know, it, we've used the term uh, a couple times today. Feels like there's a storm brewing right yeah. now. Yeah. Those three individuals tweeting kind of have the feel of the beginning they of do. the storm. They absolutely do. It is It is no small thing that LeBron James and CP3 have spoken out. Um, as we've talked about off the air, if, if this was a coordinated thing, it was very important for LeBron James to be the first and then CP3 follow up. Um, CP3 is in a very interesting position because he is an employee of Robert Sarver. He's been paid handsomely by Robert Sarver. Mm-hmm. A- and yet at the same time, he's been president of the NBPA. He, um, he was was part of that uh, team that that boycotted and rejected uh, Donald Sterling, and uh, well, it what, didn't go as far as boycott. There was considered right. They were get, they were getting there was, there was, was a playoff series. Right. Yes, they, they, pro- they were protesting. So it's it's interesting because while there are differences between Donald Sterling and Robert Sarver, Howard Beck is right on the money when he said to most people it doesn't feel like it, mm-hmm. and so perceptually that's the truth. The truth can be the truth. Legal, there's the legal truth, which I believe trapped Adam Silver. Then there's the perceptual truth, which is why is this guy getting off easy? And and so I think that unfortunately this is this is a mess that if it's going to get cleaned up, it's going to have to get cleaned up by the players, and it has enormous consequences. For instance, Suns fans, what if Kevin Durant really wanted to come to Phoenix and now he saw this and said, "Hell no." Okay, what if Robert Sarver comes back in a year? What free agent is going to come play for the Phoenix Suns? I think those are poignant questions to ask right now. Mm -hmm. Where this situation stands, because that's where it stands right now. A year suspension, and Howard Beck kind of painted that picture too. Wouldn't you? A year from now, going into the the early preseason games, what does this look like? What is the reaction around the league? This is not something that I believe in the year 2022 and into 2023. It's just something that goes away with time. Right. I I don't believe that. Right. No, I I don't believe that either. And then what happens if if this gets to the point where Robert Sarver thinks he can come back? What if Devin Booker says, okay, I'm out of here. Trade me. I'm not playing for you. Who knows where this thing is going? But because for LeBron James to frame it the way he did, for Chris Paul to use the word horrified mm-hmm. was was a very interesting use of words and again it, it was like i've said before it was per- perfectly reasonable for people who have not seen that side of robert sarver to to say hey that's not the guy i know but now after this report now after robert sarver's claims that oh this is misleading this is not accurate this isn't me now that that's been laid to bear that you can't do that anymore but mm-hmm. even in the statement released to preface taking full accountability and responsibility by saying I disagree with some of the particulars. Right. That's not taking full like responsibility. I'm sorry, but doesn't right. count. No, that's that's exactly right. And there's an awful lot of this stuff here, and and it's you know, and I think that is the the bottom line here is the NBA is trying very hard to say we stand for this, and yet one of their owners is the antithesis of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that to me, where how do you reconcile that? Do you think that the players actually can drive change in this situation? Oh, do you no think they, doubt about it. They can 
get the other owners to a point where they're willing to vote out Robert Sarver? Look, I, it was a, a different example, but it was a more timely example. If you go back to what happened in the bubble, mm. the players led... You know, basically a delay in, in the schedule. Walked yeah. out, wouldn't play because the Clippers and the Timberwolves, right? Yeah, uh, the Bucks. The Bucks. Were, uh, the, because the, it was the Bucks. I'm sorry, I meant the Bucks. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, to answer your question, Sarah, I, I if they choose to go down that road, the players have. How many times do we talk about player empowerment? And it's yeah. not just about getting the most money for contracts no. or right. dictating what team you want to play for, where you want to be traded. It's stuff like this, too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's never been like this before. Well, now that the players get to do the league's dirty work, congrats to them. And that must be tearing up Adam Silver inside. Because, like I said, he had to go and he had to do he had to go and be Roger Goodell yesterday. He had to go and be a shield. Yeah, and I wonder too because you talked about the 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 legal struggle and and there's been talks about hey if if this did go to the courtroom it would it would not be a, a slam dunk case for the NBA far from it. Most people think they wouldn't win. Yeah, exactly. Murky was the word that I heard. I wonder if Adam Silver is expressing that to the players association in the early stages like look I, I know what you want to do but this is a this is what's going to happen so. I've got your back but there's nothing I can do you you are gonna have to convince these owners to vote you not me because the, the, it's it's pretty simple what what's happening here the, these the rest of these owners don't want a, a, a standard now applying mm-hmm. to them wait I have to be a good what, person too wait, oh wait hold no, on a minute. no yeah. no no wait, so so wait a minute what yeah right coming up next a lot of eyeballs on Kyler Murray going into week two also on the defensive side of the ball their quarterback Isaiah Simmons what does he look like in week two after a struggle in week one we'll get into that next it's Bickley and Murata mornings ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Stop, uh, obviously, Devontae Adams. Uh, he's a phenomenal receiver. Um, they also have uh, Waller. He's a very good uh, tight end. Um, so, you know, also just controlling the targets between them two. And um, Renfro, we all know about Renfro, especially me. Uh, you know, so just being able to, to stop them as well as control the run game. So. So Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, starbacker, sorry, for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, heading into week two. Yeah, I, I think we opponent. should retire that temporarily. <laughs> Prove it. Yeah, did you Prove see it. did you see the uh the the distribution of where he lined up? He lined up more in the slot than anywhere else. How about it? Yeah. And it didn't go very well. No. Um, it didn't go very well for anybody on the defensive again, side of the ball. Uh, we'll give him a break because that was a very, very tough assignment against Travis Kelsey. That guy is the best for a reason. He runs great routes. He's very physical. He catches everything. He's big. So that's okay. You know, we the thing about the beauty about this is that for all the red flags that came out of week one, they're only 0-1. It didn't count as four losses, even though it probably it felt, felt like, like it. It felt like it. <laughs> it probably did. Yeah. Uh, more from Isaiah Simmons. He mentioned Hunter Renfro and how much he knows him. Former college teammates together at Clemson. What makes Renfro so good? I think a lot of people uh, underestimate him based on like, his, his like visual presence. Uh, you know, it kind of just looks like you know your average dad, but he's actually like a really, really, really phenomenal football player. So. Um, you know, I've been kind of, in college, I used to fool around with him, you know, call him old and whatnot. Just, not that he's actually old, but, you know, he just doesn't really think like a football player. 
there, but um, he's actually very, very good. Um, I think a lot of people in the league have learned that. He's gaining respect from everyone. He's a Hunter Renfro. It's like the Jarrett Carlin of the Las Vegas Raiders. Doesn't look like an athlete, but is. <laughs> is that fair, Jarrett? I was going to say that... Jarrett was an athlete. Are you still in high school? No. (laughs) As I mentioned today, I'm I'm embarrassingly out of shape right now. But yes, in high school, I ran track and field. But now, I've not heard the legends of this. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the, the hurricane? That's a bin. You probably know me more as the hurricane. That's yeah, that's what you were thinking. Do you have of. a box full of medals and trophies? Uh, no. Okay. Do you ever get your name in the paper? <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Uh, drunken idiot runs on field ruins game. <laughs> Wearing a gorilla mask? Yeah, something yeah, like right, that. Right. Um, yeah, Isaiah Simmons also, uh, you know, he, he's talked a lot about communication. He was one of the first that, that brought it up, uh, that it was, was lacking. Uh, here's more uh, from Isaiah Simmons on the communication and whether or not it's different with him wearing the green dot. Just, just different level of conditioning, just having to be able to verbalize the call and then also verbalize the checks that we're making. Um, you know, just a different level of conditioning. Um, it's not something that I'm opposed to. Yeah, we got to see what that looks like. Uh, that's probably area number one that needs to be buttoned up for, for week two. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said it after last week. And, you know, the, the story in the NFL is you see the most improvement from week one to week two. I'll just say there's a lot of room for improvement for the Cardinals yeah, going into week two. If, if that's going to be the case, uh, they didn't do much of anything well no. on Sunday. No, and if and if you look at the areas that they need to get better, um, clearly they've got to generate some pass rush without without compromising the back end, without blitzing too terribly much. And it, it's I, again, I'm not going to blame Vance Joseph for anything. This is not a strategic blunder from week one. This is a talent deficient roster, especially on the defensive side of the football. I will not be blaming. I I won't say not, but Vance Joseph is going to have little to do to me with the failures of this defense if they continue. Um, so it, but so they're, so it's incumbent to actually get some pressure on Derek Carr without compromising an already weak secondary. And that secondary is going to be tested by a guy like Devontae Adams, who's really good, Darren Waller, who's really good. Uh, who else they got? Hunter Renfro, they mm-hmm. got... Um, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, back. yeah. And, and, and he's hurt the Cardinals in the past. And so, uh, to, to me, I think that this is going to be, it's going to be a test on both sides of the football, but the, the, but the area that really needs to step up is the offense. The defense just needs to hang on because I don't think, I don't think they're necessarily terribly underperformed last week. I think they're just overmatched. Now, I don't think Isaiah Simmons lived up to the billing, but, but the billing is a level he's never reached. Look, you said, not pinning any blame on Vance Joseph. We've had that discussion. I, I think it was a desperation thing. Vance Joseph was trying to engineer something full well knowing. I mean, he coached against Patrick Mahomes when he was with Denver. Right. He knows about his ability to beat a blitz. Yeah. I just think he looked at it and said, oh, if we sit back, we're going to get picked apart anyway. Let's right. try to do something. Right. Um, so, it, it you know, was it a foolish? Probably, considering the the past. But, again, desperation. I know Burns... Foolish. And, it, it's Van, o- Burns only and, foolish because... 
Fitzpatrick, it would have been the exact same outcome the other yeah, way. Yeah, Burns and Gambo were a lot more harsh on the criticism of Vance Joseph. And nationally, in reading a lot of the synopsis on those mm-hmm. those power rankings mm-hmm. uh, that have come out this week, that was a common refrain, too. It's like, what was Vance Joseph thinking? Don't you know? I mean, the data's out there. If we can get it, you know it. <laughs> yeah. Here's well, the thing. It didn't work. But they went into this game looking at Vance Joseph from two years ago. And they pretty much told him, look, we've seen you scheme before with lack of talent. Scheme. Go, go figure something go out. Scheme. But the, the, and that's what he was trying to do. The difference is that was out of necessity due to you know mid-season, late-season injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you're going in week one and saying, hey, we got no talent on defense. Go ahead and scheme something up. Cook something up delicious for us, yeah, Vance. I right. mean, that, that's a different thing mm, altogether. That's some delicious poop. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, you knew that was coming, didn't you, Jared? No, but that was definitely what we all thought when, perfect from what he cooked up there. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Is like, it's, you, can't bl- you could blame him in the fact that what he... Tried didn't work. It's also okay, right? But it's also, I think, an admission because Vance Joseph is smart and he does have access to this stuff. That he chose to attempt to win that way tells you what he really thinks of his back end. Yeah, that is back I, his secondary. Well, I don't know like, what Jerry, I think of my back end. <laughs> <laughs> what, what we t- well, even last year I remember <laughs> we were saying with Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, JJ Watt. The pass rush was going to make up for the secondary. That was a big thing last year is that by getting to the quarterback, that's going to make up for him, you know, exposing the secondary. Now they have neither. Yeah. And they might not have J.J. Watt this week. Yeah. And um, no help in the secondary again this week either. I can't. Do you guys believe they didn't pick up anybody? Trayvon Mullen practiced yesterday, so he might be ready to go. Right. I guess you can paint that as, as the acquisition, but we haven't seen him yet. I don't know. I, I was fully expecting. There was people some, saying some they were going to yeah. flood the team know, with yeah. moves. Yeah. I know. Week two of Bix Picks kicks off tonight. Text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize of 75-inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text PICK, P-I-C-K, to 620-620 to enter. A lot of talk about Kyler Murray going into uh, week two. How did he do in week one through the eyes of a Hall of Famer? We'll tell you that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station. I just think that maybe they got the wrong leader. And we talk about uh, Kyler Murray in his, um, you know, his body language last year. You talked about him uh, not wanting to go back into that playoff game. We see when he throws an interception, his body language is like it's somebody else's fault. It's never Kyler Murray's fault. At some point, he got to live up to this contract. And I will say, I think they paid the wrong guy. When your franchise guy ain't preparing, maybe Isaiah Simmons don't prepare because he didn't look like he you prepared. You Isaiah, man. Man, you look, man, he got beat for 17 <laughs> touchdowns week one. 17. Them, that, that is uh, Michael Robinson from NFL Network. Harsh words for a couple of the uh, uh, quarterbacks. Uh, Kyler Murray on offense, Isaiah Simmons on defense. We'll focus on the Kyler Murray part of it. Look, this is not a surprise uh, when, when, when you uh, have the contract, the size of the contract that Kyler Murray got. When he got it, didn't have to wait like other quarterbacks like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson now. We'll have to wait for his. He got it early. Uh, the pressure goes up. Then the story about the independent study addendum goes uh, it goes into the mainstream, and you heard it referenced there. This is the level of pressure that you face every single week if, if you're Kyler Murray. How did he deal with it in week one? Not well. 
Didn't play great. No. Uh, was okay. He needs to be a lot better than okay for this team, especially now without DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, uh, Michael Robinson's uh, colleague on NFL Network, Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. Uh, he broke down what he saw from Kyler Murray in week one. You got to remember, a lot of these guys didn't play in the preseason. So when I was watching Kyler, it looked like he was very uncomfortable in the pocket, that he hadn't been hit. He hadn't been around that many bodies in, you know, a game type environment, and he was uncomfortable. I want to see him settle in this week, too, and be able to go back to just playing that MVP type football that we've seen in the past. Uncomfortable is yeah, another way to describe it. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's a lot of words you can use. But but I but I think he's right on the money, and and that is the folly of not exposing your players to some of this stuff, particularly him. And, and I do think that if there is a commonality between the game we saw against the Rams and the game we saw against the Chiefs, Kyler Murray did not look at, at all comfortable in the first quarter of either of those games, and the game was pretty much out of reach by the end of the first quarter of those games. He, he's got to be he's got to be comfortable playing quarterback, and his body language has to has to dictate that. And and, and look, I I know I, I know I know his 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 travails. I know that it cannot be easy playing quarterback at that size. He has even begun to kind of bring that into the discourse. He has openly talked about how difficult this is for him. So we all want this to work, but again, it's not going to work if you're skittish and scared. You, you can't play football that way. And and that is, and that's that's the fear, that you go into a football game to start the season, you have not been involved, you haven't been exposed to that yet, and then it's coming at you, and it's like, uh-oh. So he, uh, let's hope he settles in. Because Again, the numbers that Kyler Murray posted in that playoff game against the Rams, by the end of the game, they didn't look terrible, but it was just the optics of it were horrible for the first half. What were his numbers? Against I don't even Rams? remember, but I remember there was a, there were a lot of people thought that there was a lot of garbage time stats happening at the end of that game because the defense goes in, they start playing prevent defense, they start playing second and third teamers, and suddenly your day doesn't look as bad. Yeah, they were still pretty bad. Who are they? 19 of 34 for 137 yards and two picks. Okay, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so he does have to be better. I agree with that. Isaiah Simmons has to be better. I, the, the idea of making that kid wear that green dot and not giving him any live reps to try it out is asinine. We said that in real time. I know. How crazy that was. To give him a new role on the team that is that involves so much responsibility and is so important, and to not have him play in any, because what, they were afraid of exposing everything that he could do? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and and it's and we went into we went into week one, and we were hoping that it was going to be this this really disruptive, destructive weapon on defense, and it, and again, it, there wasn't that. So yeah, my son uh, has got his learner's permit, and we've driven in a parking lot once. But I, think I'm, I think I'm going to make him uh, my designated driver this weekend. See, that's exactly <laughs> to, to right. drive the right. Tucson. <laughs> it's why would I want to drive to Tucson, Jared? Well, <laughs> I figured if you were already drunk, maybe. <laughs> but here's the uh, the other thing about that, Michael. Robinson quote yeah. is that it just shows you the this study clause thing. Not only is it a punchline for Kyler Murray, now they're using it for anyone else on the team. They're like, oh, maybe uh, Isaiah Simmons should have had a study clause. It's like it was such a destructive thing to put in I there. I know. I know. I'm going to follow this team uh, and, 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 unless they play to a level that makes people forget. And that was not the case in, in, in week one. Uh, Kyler Murray also talked about, hey, first full game at the pro level with your former college buddy, Hollywood Brown. How'd it go? Solid. It was solid. I think, you know, um, we 
we got to do a better job of getting him, um, getting him the ball, getting him, you know, moving him around, stuff like that. Um, just making it tough for defenses, you know. Um, you watch right. You watch around the league. You look at every, you know all these guys catching you know ten plus balls a game, getting you know ten plus targets a game. How do you do that? You know you got to design it, scheme it up, move him around, stuff like that. Which it's fixable. You know he I think he had four catches or whatever, but um, it's it, it'll get better. Yeah, Murray also said he'd like to spread the ball around. So uh, which way you're going to have it? I mean, Greg Dortch got the most targets. What in week a one. Dortch! And you know on the flip side, Devontae Adams with the Raiders got you know a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. Had, had 17 big, big numbers. Yep. I think he had over 10 catches and, and a touchdown in that game. But all due respect to Hollywood Brown, um, he's not Devontae Adams. He's he's a much more nuanced no. receiver, I think. Indeed. Um, there is a news from Cardinals camp today. J.J. Watt back on the practice nice. field working on a uh, on a Thursday. That's a good sign. Darren Urban of uh, EasyCardinals.com said he did not see Andy Isabella, Rondell Moore, or Jalen Thompson. Okay, that uh, the Rondale Moore thing doesn't surprise me. The Andy Isabella, he got a back issue in week one. Mm-hmm. The uh, but Jalen well, Thompson, yeah, Thompson's Andy Isabella caught injury. one pass. So Look, that wasn't used to that that's much action. Scary though. Again, when we talk about this defense and the weapons that the Raiders have in the passing game, and now you got an iffy to maybe unavailable Jalen Thompson, mm-hmm. and that's I mean, it's it's almost. It's almost laughable the number of injuries they have at this point of the season. And I don't mean laughable in a good way. Like, no. this is funny. It's, no. it's, it'll make you scratch your head. Yes, I agree with that. And, but, but again, this is, I, this is a league of no excuses. And there's not a, the, the, the fact that there's not real good depth on this defense, particularly, that's something they can control. It's also what happens when you don't draft well over the course of yeah. five years. Yeah, there's that. Has it only been five? Well, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say yeah, this. Yeah, the, there's been the, some good yeah, ones. The, the effects in, uh, are you know, more recent with, uh, with with that time span, definitely. We'll have a lot more on Cardinals Raiders, uh, not only today, Raiders. but tomorrow, leading up to a Football Friday. Coming up next... We shift our focus to baseball. We'll talk to the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, Derek Hall. That's straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the president... He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the chief. Derek Hall. The president. Two on delivery from Kimbrell. Swing and a drive to right. Back on it goes Thompson at the fence. Diamondbacks walk it off. A three-run homer by Sergio Alcantara. And the Diamondbacks win the final game of this series as they beat the Dodgers by a score of 5-3. to three. Anytime you beat the Dodgers, it's a good night in Phoenix. And that was uh, the scene last night. Greg Schulte on the call. Sergio Alcantara's uh, walk-off heroics here to talk Diamondbacks baseball with us. Uh, as he does every Thursday, the president and CEO of the D-backs, Derek Hall. Derek, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. It's good to talk after a win on a Wednesday night. I mean, we, we own those guys of late. <laughs> Indeed you do. I'll, I'll tell you, those, those first, I don't want to uh, dwell on the negative. Those first two games were a little rough, Derek. 
Yeah, they were. I mean, you know, we, we certainly kept game two close, but uh, to, to go to, to not get a run across the plate those first two games was frustrating for sure. But that's just how good they are. We give them a lot of credit for their lineup, but the Dodgers have one of the best pitching staffs too, as evident again last night. But they are so good. It was just a good building block again for these guys and to be able to to walk off and celebrate these youngsters at, at home play was so much fun to see. Yeah, Tuesday night, they get a chance to clinch the division. They do it on your field, and I know a lot of people harken back to 2013. We know what happened when that same scenario unfolded. Behind the scenes, is is there any discussion between the organizations like, hey, let's not repeat what happened in 2013? Did that, did that go on, Derek? We, well, we do talk about it, and I, I could tell you, Vince, this time, because the directive really came from me, like, don't you know, don't don't arm the place, right? Don't don't keep them from jumping to the pool if they want to. But we also heard beforehand that, you know, Dave Roberts, no surprise because he's class act and, you know, I, I worked with the Dodgers when he was a player there and he's one of the best guys you'll meet. And he had said, We're not gonna jump in the pool. That's not who this team is and, and I don't believe they are either. And you go you know, you look around their lineup and around the infield and outfield and on their bench, those are those are good guys. Those are guys that respect the game. We weren't worried about it. What we were more worried about and it was our, our law enforcement that we work with we had heard that player or that fans want to jump in to protect the pool and uh, we thought all right just to protect fans and make sure they don't get injured let, let's have a little presence there but it wasn't about the Dodgers and they did a great job they celebrated you know around the mound in a very classy way and it was good for our guys too to be able to stand on the top step the entire time and watch and say I want to be there that's a good thing because you don't like anybody celebrating on your field everybody in our division seems to to have the Dodgers celebrate on their field winning you know what is it nine out of the last ten yeah um and i think we've had three or four and it's frustrating but it's also a a heck of a way for our guys to say that's who i want to be and i'm going to get there i still don't know why back in the day you guys didn't make a big scene out of having to disinfect and clean that pool you could have sent dudes in in hazmat suits you could have like bill murray like bill murray and caddyshack you could have pulled out a baby ruth from the bottom of the pool (laughs) it would have been a great bit of trolling all right let's move on uh unless you want to unless you want to address side. <laughs> No, I don't, oh. other than I made a few shots back then on social media, and I got buried by Dodger fans. I probably deserved it, but I, I stood Good. up for us. I stood Good. up for our pool at our, at our facility, and I got crushed. All right, so I want to talk about Jake McCarthy, because when Jake McCarthy came up, I thought he was just going to be a, a, a placeholder for Corbin Carroll, and it turns out the kid's got a lot of game, and he's a great athlete, and now Cameron Payne loves him. Tell us about that yeah. relationship between those two guys. Vic, it was so cool. I mean, on the Mikhail Bridges appreciation night when Cam came out here, too, and, and McCarthy had such a big game, and then we find out that Cam just loves him, and, and he's going crazy in the suite. So then, you know, he invites him back out, and Cam comes out last night with a group of friends, and, and he's, I mean, he, he's in front of me, and I didn't want to bother him, but I'm watching him the whole time. Dick, it's genuine, and this guy is into it. And here comes McCarthy to step on deck, and he's he's fist bumping him through the through the fencing, and you know, and then Cam's getting up and putting on different jerseys and holding up jerseys, and he was out there at the end of the game celebrating with our guys. And one of the first things Tori did was run over and hug him. It's a great thing. I mean, I've got you know chills just thinking about it. These guys. Whether, you know, Suns, Cardinals, Coyotes, Mercury, whatever. Their athletes are our athletes. They're part of our family. We, you know, we enjoy being that team. Come on out here and be a part of it. And for these guys, the Suns to be embracing our young players, it is so cool. And again, like I said, we respect the heck out of them and all they've done. And they've had the youth movement as well. It's fun to see this little brotherhood from across the street. 
I'm talking with Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks. And I want to continue on Jake McCarthy, and I think Bick kind of hit, hit the nail on the head that uh, he's got an opportunity and he's grasped it. I mean, his numbers among National League rookies, he's got one of the top Stunning. OBS numbers. Yeah. The way he plays the game, obviously, it's infectious for the fans to watch. But I'm looking at the situation in the outfield, and and you throw Stone Garrett into the mix, and then you think about Pave and Smith coming back from an injury. There's a little bit of a numbers crunch going into 2023, isn't there? There, there is, and that's a good thing. As we you know look to to work on the roster and the the options that you have, but but you're right. I mean, he has proven his worth. He's proven how much value he has. And it's, it's both defensively and offensively. He's so exciting. And look what he did last night in the ninth inning. I mean, he, he steals second after getting on base to lead off the inning. He steals second. You know, he gets to third base and then he tries to win it by, with a, a attempted steal of home. I, I hope personally he continues to do that. You know, he was out. There was a challenge. It's arguable whether there was a blocking of the plate, whatever, that they didn't have a lane. Mm-hmm. The fact that he tried to win that game with with the attempted steal of home is exciting. And that's how our team is, is right now. Now, the other team may have been laughing at it. I don't know. But what I hope is we're getting in the heads of the opposition to say, wow, I mean, they're, they're wreaking havoc on the, on the base paths. They have to worry about our, our runners and, and our, our uh, offense a little bit, and our young players, because they know it's unpredictable. They're going to lay down bunts. They're going to be hitting and running. They're going to be in motion. That's an exciting style of play, and someone like Jake McCarthy is leading the way with it. All right, Dre Jamison is going to become the third pitcher to start a game in his Major League debut this season. We've seen Tommy Henry do it. We saw Ryan Nelson do it. Well, what can you tell us about Dre Jamison? Well, well, first I could tell you, Bick, as I've always said to you, we don't want to put a kid in a tough situation. So go ahead and go get him. Here are the Padres. You know, have fun with Machado, yeah. <laughs> Soto, and Cronenworth at Bell, uh-huh. just like we did Ryan Nelson. Yeah, but but I could tell you, he, um, you know, when we drafted him in 2019, and I, I want to say from Ball State, he he was an explosive pitcher, and and he was the type of kid where we were thinking, boy, let's draft him either as a starter or develop him as a reliever because he's got that really big live arm. And, I mean, he sits, you know, mid to upper 90s, and he's got a great changeup. I mean, four-seamer, two-seamer. Um, you're going to see this guy, he, you know, hopefully he, he can calm the nerves. It's always tough that first start. But this kid has just this this moving changeup that just drops off the table. He's got some pretty good off-speed pitches like slider curveball. But I think you're going to be really impressed with his, his composure, his size, his big arm. Yeah, I want to talk about another rookie pitcher who's got quite the streak going himself. Ryan Nelson's been almost unhittable in, in his start so far. How pleased have you been with, with that experiment so far? Completely. I mean, Vince, you know, we talked about it a few weeks back. We said, I love seeing these young kids come up and they're showing offensively and defensively what they can do. And by the way, I want to say this again before I answer the question. Last night, we could talk about the pitching and the pitching was spectacular. I mean, Davies did a good job keeping them in it. Maranta got the win. You know, Mantiply was great. Dinkle was great. Caleb Smith was great. But it was the defense. I mean, the plays that that, that Corbin made, I, I, I don't know if most would even track down those plays with their balls and left field and Thomas what he did in center field and Perdomo knocking down that ball so I mean we've said all along these position players are exciting but like I said this a couple weeks back 
we haven't even seen our pitchers yet, you know. So to see Tommy Henry come up and he was effective, especially early on, and and now we're going to get to see, you know, we're, we're going to get to see Dre, and we've got Ryan Nelson who came up and did such a great job against two really really good teams in the Padres and the Dodgers, and there's still guys like Jarvis and Fott, you know, and and Walston who are ready to come up. I'm telling you, this is a really exciting time for our fans because we are going to have so many homegrown talented players that are going to be buying for positions next year and and competing in spring because you're starting to see it. You're seeing the talent and they're all rising up together because they've gone through the ranks together. They're learning how to win at the minor league level together. And then you got guys like, like Jameson and, and Vic, you just asked about him. He moved up quickly. I mean, this kid went from high A to double A in no time back in 21. And that's because they're showing that they could pitch at the professional level and, and nothing is phasing them. All right, one thing I am excited about in closing, even though Rob Manfred has had a real rough go of it recently, uh, the pitch clock and the real significant efforts to keep the game moving are going to take effect next year. Vinny's seen a game with the pitch clock. He was impressed. What do you, uh, what do you think? I, I'm with Vinny. I, I totally agree. We need it. It's about time. You know, the guys at the minor league level are used to it. It doesn't phase them. They say it works, and, and I think so too. But there's too many times, you guys know this, especially here for whatever reason. I'll sit in my seat, I'll look up at the out-of-town scoreboard and go, huh, we started at 640. Those things started at 710. We're the only ones still going. <laughs> Another one of Give me that clock. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, like Vic said, I, I went to a handful of fall league games last year where they used it, and I thought it was really cool. Um, now, yep. you don't have the same level of strategy in the fall league that you do during the regular season, so that, that'll, that'll even things out a bit. But I, I wanted to ask you about the shift, and I think uh, it, it's a it's a tough situation uh, to really reconcile for me personally. I don't like it. I, I don't like when somebody you know hits the hole and it's right to somebody who's not playing a normal position. Uh, so I get that. But I also have a problem with dictating on how a team can employ their defense against I the don't. hitter when there's that much <laughs> intelligence involved. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Derek? I, I'm I'm not a fan of the shift, and especially you know last night when you see Cattell Marte sting a ball to what it should have been the hole, and there's this player Robin, you know, and, and throws him out. I, I'm not a fan now when it happens the other way. I'm really thrilled. And I love I love the shift. <laughs> but, but I think overall, look, you, you got to have two players on the left side of second base, two players on the right side and I'm glad we're going to dictate that you can't be you know you got to be on dirt you can't be out in the outfield grass play the game the way it's supposed to be played um, but but I do say while it's in effect learn how to beat the shift you know that mm-hmm. frustrates me right and so we do have players now that are trying to hit the ball the other way or put the ball on the ground with a bunt I like seeing that if they're going to give you you know one side or the other of the infield go ahead and try and make them burn for it. But um, I'm glad we're going to get back to the traditional way of playing the game with traditional positions, and we're going to see a little bit more offense, which we need. Yeah, Derek, great stuff. Thanks, stuff, as man. always. And you got to get campaign out to more games. He's been a good luck charm for you guys. So. He's 3-0. We need campaign out there. Yeah, he's, yeah, believe me, I will give him season tickets. He's got him. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, Derek. Give me the pitch clock and give me campaign. <laughs> Have a great weekend. See you, bud. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Diamondbacks, joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up, we'll hit some social studies with Sarah Cazell. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.